Hey, Diversity Dish was started in September of 2020 because I thought it was important to have conversations. But I realized recently that in that time, I hadn't actually completely introduced myself. So a few weeks ago, I asked my sister to interview me for the podcast. And that's what you're going to hear today. I hope you enjoy it, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let's go. Welcome to Diversity Dish, where we're dishing on everything diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice related. My name is Sidrola Maruska, and we're bridging the gap between what needs to be said and what needs to be heard. Those individual experiences that are often ignored or simply dismissed. Sometimes I'm dining alone, sometimes I'm dining with friends, and sometimes I'm dining a la carte. No matter how I'm dining, it promises to be delicious. Let's dig in. (laughs) Hi, Sadie. Isn't this interesting? The tables have turned. Oh my goodness. Thank you for accepting to do this with me. I'm so excited and a little bit nervous actually, because being on this side is, although it's not foreign to me, being on this side on my own podcast is a little bit foreign. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to make it as difficult as possible. (laughs) That's what sisters are supposed to do, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So my first question for you, I'm going to start you off easy. Tell us, what is it that you're passionate about right now? Oh, I think right now I'm really passionate about social justice. And I'm really passionate about being a voice for social justice or being one of the voices, raising my voice with others who are doing this work. Because I really feel that we're at a precipice of change, of big change, you know, where we're going to kind of catapult forward. And I want, I feel that it's my calling and it is, it excites me right now to be part of that whole movement toward change because I think about it as I look at my kids my nieces my nephews and all those who are coming behind us and I'm like yes I want to be I want to push it all push it so that they can be I mean you know you know we have some amazing youth in our family and so I want them to be able to flourish completely Mm. and so I feel like it is my place to kind of clear the way for them right and so that's what that's what that's what's really passionate for me right now that's beautiful what would you say what do you think was brought you to this point was there a catalyst how did you get to your personal passion right now well that's that's interesting well you know if I'm going to be really honest which I hope that all my guests are when they come on Diversity Dish. I would say if I went back five years, this was not me. Five years ago, I was not here in this place. But five years ago, I also had not been diagnosed with cancer. Five years ago, I hadn't looked back to see where my light had gone out, where I'd started living by default and just going with the easy path. So five years ago, that wouldn't have been my passion. Five years ago, I might've said that my passion was just being a mom and not thought of myself or my true, true passion. But all those things have happened in the, within those five years, actually, you know, within the last three years. And so having gone through cancer, having been slowed down to kind of go within and really think about what is it that I want to do? Because when you're diagnosed with cancer, of course, you go from zero to death. And and Mm -hmm. what you, when you do that, you go, well, what does that mean for me? Like, what have I done? And then you have to go, okay, 
clearly I'm not doing what I want to be doing. So now I need to figure out what it is that I want to be doing, what it is that I'm really and truly passionate about. And that's what I did. I took the time to do that. And I've allowed myself to be open Mm -hmm. to hearing and to, to just going forward in the way that feels most right for me. Mm -hmm. And that is where I have gotten to this place. And interestingly enough, as soon as I got to this place where I realized that, you know, I really want to be this voice. Once I got to this place, things just started to happen. Mm. You know, people, you know, I, I, I put myself out there. I've been on um, TV shows, people contacting me to be on their podcasts. Hey, you seem to be, you, you're, you're, you seem to be where you're supposed to be and we love your energy. So can you do this? Can you do that? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And so it's just, it's just been like a momentum that's building within this. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I I found that just uh, in my own experience and in observing other people's life experiences, when you tap into your purpose, suddenly it taps into you, you know, like things that are in line with your purpose just start coming to you as opportunities that you would have not otherwise maybe noticed or appreciated. But once you, once you really tap into what your purpose is and purpose can change throughout your lifetime, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah. It goes through cycles in our lifetime, but every time that you tap into it, it just flourishes. And so I hear that that's what you're experiencing right now. Yeah. Yes. I think that that's exactly right. It's just, you know, you get to a place and all of a sudden you're like, yes, this, this feels right. And then things just start coming and you're like, wow. Okay. Okay. I, I guess, I guess it is. Cause you just tap into that vein. Right. right. And yeah, like you said, things change along mm-hmm. the way. I'm, Maybe I feel that I'm really passionate about this right now, but I can't tell you where I'm going to be in five years, mm-hmm. you know, what, what my passion is going to be in five years, because as I stay open and as I allow myself to grow and to evolve into what I'm becoming, uh, who knows where it's going to take me, but I'm just here for that ride. And I'm just here to enjoy every step of it, every every phase of it and not, and not go too far beyond that because, you know, you can, you can say, okay, well, I want to, you know, you can try to map it all out. And then when it doesn't happen, then you get really disappointed. And so, you know, I'm mapping it out, but I'm mapping it out like three months, six months, maybe a year in advance and going, oh, in a year, this would be, this would be a great place to be. And who knows, maybe I'll just fly past that and go to right three months (laughs) right (laughs) right 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 well I that that brings me to a question you mentioned social justice that's what you're passionate about right now and you mentioned that a big part of it is to pave the way for better future for the generations coming behind you particularly within your family you have a big family we have a big family we have, um, <laughs> but you could have chosen different ways to express that, whether it was championing climate change or championing other things. So what is it specifically about social justice that ignites you right now? You're right. But you know, I think that a lot of the things that we champion, education, healthcare, climate change, all of these things come down to social justice. They all come down to an equalizing of lives, making sure that everybody's life matters. So not discounting someone's life because they're in the way of a pipeline and not discounting someone else's life because they live in a particular neighborhood that you deem to not be worthy. 
right? So all of these things are part of, are under the umbrella of social justice. So I, I advocate, I speak about, you know, making sure that the LGBTQ community is heard and, and, and people understand what their plight may be. But as well, I also think about people who have disabilities, people who are blind, people who are deaf. Uh, Travis right now is, you know, slowly his, his legs are not responding to him, <laughs> if you can say that, right? So he, you know, so he also making sure that, you know, how is the world viewing him or how is the world accommodating him so that he's able to be a productive human, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really all into that. Like, what about food? Mm-hmm. Is there is the good food going to one place and then the leftovers going to another place because we don't deem certain people as worthy of the the best stuff? So it's all really under social justice as far as I'm concerned. So I, you know, I recycle. <laughs> I, I talk about, about social, you know, we would love to get solar panels and I talk about, I want to do all of that, protect the earth. But it's all, all for all the, the generation comes behind us and all the generation coming behind us, they have, they are a, a rainbow of people as well. You know, they, they are LGBTQ, they are, you know, differently abled, they are of all races, religions, beliefs, and, and, and all that stuff. So we've got to clear all that stuff, make all that stuff equitable for for them for us too but for them <laughs> right 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 i can definitely appreciate yes yeah, social justice is not one lane it's really oh. an ingredient in all the dishes yeah <laughs> it's like salt. <laughs> that's right it's like salt you can't you don't want to eat dinner without it <laughs> yeah exactly so, understood <laughs> I am curious, what would you say, as the founder, creator of Diversity Dish, what is your greatest wish for people to get from from Diversity Dish? When I thought of doing Diversity Dish, I think it was maybe about, I want to say, six weeks before I decided to, to release it. I thought of it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. And then I put the date on my calendar and I was like, okay, I'm going to release on my birthday. And so within that time frame, what I thought, when I thought about it, I said, you know what? Conversations need to be had. People experience things in the office. And I'm so glad that I changed. I went from my first thought of title to diversity dish thank you today mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, because diversity dish allows me to uh leverage and expand more than what i was thinking before and so but what i always feel is that there are conversations that just are not had mm. there are things that happen to people whether it be at work or it be interpersonally just with friends or wherever you are, there are things that happen to people of color, black people in particular, but then brown people, because we know that there is a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so the darker you are, the more wrong you are, quote unquote, right? right? And then the lighter you are, the more right you are. And so there are things that happen along the spectrum to people that they experience, but it's like, it's almost like they, you experience it and then you look around to see if anybody else noticed what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And usually it's like, okay, nobody noticed. Okay, then we keep moving and we push it down. We just mm-hmm. kind of say, and we keep moving. So my idea for Diversity Dish was to get some of these stories out on the forefront. So someone can say, you know, well, this is something that I've experienced at work. And then uh, someone who's listening, who is maybe an employee or who is maybe a manager, who's maybe an executive is listening. And they say, you know, I think I had someone come to my office and say something like that Mm. before. Right. And think about that. Or I've not heard that before, or maybe this is a real thing and kind of trigger maybe a thought 
of what they may be missing because it is not in their purview to see. Right. 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 But if someone is saying it and, and we know that different people respond to different voices, different perspectives, depending on what you resonate with. I know this. So I'm like, if I'm saying the same thing as that other person is saying, and that other person is saying, and that other person is saying, at least somebody's voice gets to be heard. Gets through. Right. Right. So I said, well, I want to just have these conversations. I want to have conversations with people, put things out there because you never know who's listening and how it's going to trigger their thought in going, oh my gosh, well, I heard that before. Let me go take care of that. Or the next time I hear this, I'm going to consider the solution, right? right? Because and I, like- I always try to bring a solution as well, mm-hmm. not just the, the, the problem. <laughs> and I, I really resonate with that strategy of, I call it, education maybe because like you said people resonate people are attracted to different voices and by having everyday people in your life tell their stories that's the most authentic way to connect to another person is is through their story so I I definitely understand that so in that case um let's you and me have some conversations let's do it (laughs) Um, So you have worked in the corporate world in Atlanta, in California, in Massachusetts, (laughs) in New York. You've got some some good experience under your belt. Oh my goodness. um, I am curious, what story do you want to tell us? You have so many places (laughs) that you can choose from. Is there a particular story that dealt with a diversity issue in one of your workplaces that you can share with us? You know, I'm going to share a story, which is a story that relates to not all skin folk are kin folk. Okay. And not all kin folk are skin folk. Gotcha. Right? Um, when I was in Atlanta, I had... Uh, I was working as the executive assistant to um, a, a, the director of an agency. Mm-hmm. He decided that he was going to leave the agency and he wasn't taking me with him because he was not leaving to go anywhere. He was simply just leaving. He was going to retire. So I needed to look for another job. So I went out and I was looking for another job and I had this interview with this woman, with a black woman who seemed so together and we got along great like the interview was great and so I was really excited because I had just come from a situation so before if I go back a little bit before I was the executive assistant to the director of the agency I was executive assistant to a group that was spearheaded whose director whose leader of that group was a black woman Okay. And she was amazing. Mm-hmm. And she was, she was um, equitable. She treated everybody well. She also was just impeccable. And so having this interview with this other black woman, I was like, yes, this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is what I'm talking about. Right. So I got the job. And I was really excited about it. I was going to be the executive assistant to two vice to two uh two of the leaders in the company i don't remember if they i think they were executive vice presidents or one might have been yeah they were both executive vice presidents so i was going to be the executive assistant to 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 these two gentlemen so i get to the job and i get to my desk and on the first day you know i get there and of course the first day there's not a lot going on. You're simply meeting people. This is where the bathroom is. This is where we have lunch. Hey, come have lunch with us. You know, it's, it's a lot of that stuff. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I didn't have a lot to do that, that day. But then that week, you know, going through the week, I wasn't seeing any work come. And so the woman who had hired me, she was the office manager. 
Okay. And so I would go to her and I say, okay, is there anything that I can do? Because, you know, if I'm at work and I have this work ethic, if I'm at work, give me some work to do <laughs> because I can do nothing at home. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I was like, you know, okay, I'm ready to go. You know, give me some work. You know, I've got, I've got all these skills, put them, put them to good use. And she would say, okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to get you something because everything would get funneled through her. Mm. And so she started like a few weeks, you know, like a week later, she started giving me a few things. Well, what she was giving me was child's play for me. I was already an executive assistant. Right. So go copy these pages. <laughs> make a copy, you know, do some, some proofing, right? Stuff that's not going to take me longer than 30 minutes, an hour at the most, depending on how long the document is or, or what have you. And so, you know, this went on for a while. And what I noticed was she, the office manager, would hang out and chit chat with all the assistants, right? But that wasn't me. I wasn't there for chit chat. You know, I had friends. I, I wasn't trying to be a chit chatty, gossipy, you know, person in the office. And I felt like that's what she needed. Mm. And she was also a smoker. Uh, no shade to smokers, but she was outside all the time. Mm -hmm. all the time smoking if she wasn't outside smoking she was inside chit-chatting and I didn't connect with that kind of culture at all so then a few weeks later I started noticing that I wasn't getting anything to do I would go to work I would get there I would ask for something to do and I would get nothing to do until the day that I was called into the, the executive's office and I was told that I was being let go because I wasn't doing my work. Mm. I was like, I'm not what? Right. <laughs> so I, and so that was one, one executive. So I went to the other executive. I said, I don't understand what's happening here. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, she said, that you weren't doing your wow. work. So wow. I said to him, I said, okay, this is, I'm going to just tell you right now. I said, I'm going to be fine. I am not worried right. about losing but my job. Let me job. tell you for the next I'm going to be fine. But let me tell you. <laughs> I said, but let me tell you what's happening here. I said, I have been sitting at that desk waiting for work to come to me, which has never come. Mm -hmm. I said, and I feel sorry for you because mm -hmm. you think that she's doing her job and right. she's not, mm -hmm. but I'm going to be okay. You're not. Thank you very much. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm okay. You're not. You're not. I love that. <laughs> uh, and I, and I left. And I thought to myself, you know, for a long time, for, for a while, I won't say a long time, but for a few months, I was really salty about mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. But thankfully, I'd had a, a, a mentor and a manager who was a Black woman who was all of that. So I didn't hang my hat on this woman. And I realized that this woman, I, when I look back on it, I feel that because she felt that she had this relationship with these executives that was all she needed she didn't need to do her job she just needed to make things look a certain way and I honestly believe that the reason she had me removed is because she thought I was trying to take her job when all I was trying to do was do my job mm -hmm, right mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. so had I done my job too well they would have noticed that there was right a problem right right and yeah. so she had to get rid of that really quick mm. um and you know but in that situation I never even had a chance to speak to anybody because I didn't even realize what was happening it was so fast I don't even think I was there I might have been there for two months maybe. okay Okay. So I wasn't even realizing, like, I was just like, okay, we're getting geared up. Okay. Okay. All right. And then it was like the one week I get nothing. And then the next week I was gone. So it wasn't even as if I could say, 
realize and go in and say to somebody, hey, I'm not getting anything to do. And she would be the person that I would need to talk to. And I couldn't talk to her because she wasn't giving me, you know, stuff to do. So, you know, sometimes these things get really complicated. But I tell that story because a lot of times people go, well, that Black person is hanging out with those white people. What's your problem? And I'm like, because all skin folk ain't kin folk, because there are white people that I would trust much more than some black people. Mm -hmm. And there are some black people that I would trust much more than some white people and some white people I would not trust. So it's not really Mm -hmm. about race. It's really about who you are. And Mm -hmm. it's really about how you show up in this world. Mm -hmm. I think that for her, she was happy. And mind you, we were the only two black people in the office. Mm. Me. Right. Right, 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 right. Oh, you were taking her shine. I you know, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's interesting to me, I, I appreciate that story because a lot of times when a person will be in an environment of learning about diversity or in a conversation about diversity, there's this automatic assumption of two camps and I'm in this camp and they're in that camp. And those of us in our camp, we're all, you know, great. And then they are all great. And, and conversations about diversity, they're not, they're more nuanced than that. So it's never a good idea to try to paint it as just black and white and white. You have to, you have to talk about the nuances and also how some people because uh, they're in your same camp, might treat you differently, might treat you like the other camp, because they feel threatened in a certain way. Um, I definitely know Black people who enjoy being the token Black, and they get very threatened when their token position, (laughs) yes, (laughs) when their tokenism is threatened. Yeah, they they get, they get, you know, they get competitive, they get jealous, and they lash out. Right. Well, that's interesting because, you know, I'm right now, the the book that I'm currently reading is Mindset. Mm -hmm. And in that book, she talks about there are two different mindsets. There's the growth mindset and there's the fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. And the fixed mindset is one that says, I'm great Mm -hmm. because I have the talent, because I haven't naturally, and I don't need to do anything to make it better. I also don't need to, everybody else who needs to work really hard to make themselves better is below, beneath me. The fixed mindset is the mindset that also says, if you're doing better than me, I need to remove you from my, mm-hmm. my, my sphere. Mm-hmm. The growth mindset says, I'm good at this, but I know I can be better. Mm-hmm. There's always room for growth. Mm -hmm. I know that I can, if I work harder, I can do better, right? And the growth mindset is the one that has no problem having people around them that maybe they perceive as smarter than them, or they perceive as faster than them, or more, Mm -hmm. or beautiful than them, right? They have Mm -hmm. no problem with having those people around them because they know that it doesn't reflect on my potential, Yes. It doesn't reflect on my potential. My potential is infinite as long as I know that I can grow to where I want to be. And you you know what's interesting is there are so many ways to get to the same conclusions, right? Because I call that insecurity versus confidence. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But you're getting to the same to the same place. You know, if you have confidence, you're not threatened by other people's greatness. You're right. only encouraged actually by right. other people's greatness. But if exactly. you're insecure, yes. then you're threatened and you have to push it away. You have to get it away from you because your self-worth is now in question. Exactly. Um, and that's yeah. what, you know, and that's what, when I, when I think of people who are not only racist, but people who are uh, homophobic, 
right? Mm -hmm. Or transphobic. I think Mm -hmm. to myself, wow, you are really insecure. There's something that is really, that that you're feeling really insecure about here. Mm -hmm. Whether it be yourself and how you, you feel you are, or, you know, (laughs) so about your identity, just today, I saw a post on Instagram where a man shot his doctor. He didn't kill him, but he shot him because he came when the doctor was giving him a prostate exam. Oh, wow. I think I heard about that. Wow. And the doctor said, it That's happens. your fault. Right? <laughs> the, the, the doctor was like, you know, for this person, I'm sure that he, he felt some kind of threat, very insecure about yes. his sexuality or, yes. or why this might've happened. And the right. doctor s- says this people coming when I do this happens all the time mm. because of the part that I'm examining and the sensitivity of it. Yeah. It happens all the time, but I get shot all the time. You know, right. Shot, right. So I looked at that and I thought, wow, how insecure is that right. person that right. they felt that here, the doctor unveiled something. And so mm-hmm. they felt they had to shoot him. Mm, versus- because the doctor now exposed exposed <laughs> exposed them yes yes, yes. interesting yes. isn't it crazy it's I mean I feel like that that's just so it's really so sad because if you're living in that kind of fear and that kind of insecurity there are a lot of things that can trigger you yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I want you know it brings me to another question you've been doing diversity dish for um a bit now you've had quite a few interviews I just you know I'm I have the inside track so I know (laughs) um (laughs) and um I want to I want to ask in the interviews that you've had so far what would you say is the most interesting or surprising thing that you've heard that I've heard that you've heard from one of your guests Oh, let's see. Well, you know, yes, our audience doesn't know. I didn't tell you any of these questions. Actually, I'm going off the dome. I'm pretty proud of myself right now. So, You're doing a great spot. job. I'm so on the spot right now. I have to think about all the interviews that I've done. And you know what's funny is that I have so many interviews that are in the can right now. Mm-hmm. Right, and- that aren't published yet aren't published yet and every mm-hmm. time I listen to them I go oh yeah that was so such mm-hmm. a good conversation I remember that conversation and now you're asking me to remember them without listening to them again so <laughs> <laughs> so you know I really have to think about that one or was there anything surprising sort of like huh, I didn't I've never heard that before or so when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I'm being me being a black person, a black body, there are a lot of things that I've heard before that I can relate to because I'm like, yeah, I know that that happened, you know, mm-hmm. to my friend or that happened to me or whatever. But what you know, I've had I had an interview with a woman who's a sleep specialist, mm-hmm. and and that was part of the reason why I had her on the show I was like oh you know what do you know to be like disparities in terms of people when it comes to sleep Mm -hmm. and she said that we get less sleep or we get less help which of course is not new but we get less help there are less resources for us to delve into the black community yes to delve into the reasons why we're having sleep-related issues in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I've never really thought about sleep in terms Mm -hmm. of being even Mm -hmm. part of the, you know, racism conversation. But Mm -hmm. when you consider that it is also, that it would be a health issue, then yeah, I could see that, you know? Mm -hmm. And 
So I thought that that was very interesting. And then, and I had to ask her, I said, so I always hear, you know, people are like, oh, you should have your tongue up to the top and down to the bottom. And so I asked her about that because <laughs> she was talking about it. And I was like, so where is your tongue supposed to be when you're relaxed? <laughs> and you didn't know, that's a good, is it supposed to be somewhere? <laughs> yes, it's supposed to be at the top of your palate. Oh. Yes. Like when, if you, okay. if you just close your mouth and you just relax, your tongue should be leaning up at the top of your palate. It should not be down, okay. you know, and, um, and you should never snore. Should as in. No one should ever be snoring. If you're snoring, you have an issue with your, with your, your nas oh. your respiratory passages. Interesting. Oh, I was like, because, you know, sometimes I do snore. My husband tells me that I snore sometimes. I said, but I think that's when I'm laying on my back. And she's like, yeah, you should clear your passages before you go to bed. You know, like do a toddy, like a, a you know, the nasal thing. Okay. And so that you, because you shouldn't be snoring because if you're snoring, then that's apnea. Interesting. Wow. Well, we need to talk right? to mom. Oh, that's, well. I guess we're past mom that. Has, mom has her thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we're past that now. Well. <laughs> she has her little mask that she wears at night. Right, right, right. But yeah, but I, you know, one of the things, you know, while we're on this subject, one of the things that I've realized in doing this podcast is how honest and vulnerable people can be when you give them the space to be that way. Mm. When and you when make, you ask them directly, when you ask them directly and you're, and you allow them and you make them feel that you are open to whatever they say. Mm. I, I had, I had a comedian come on. She was my first comedian. I have not released her episode yet. So it's coming. So she's hella funny, right? This, this, she reached out comedian. to me. Comedian, she reached out to me and she was like, I would love to be on your podcast. And I went and I looked at her stuff and I was like, you know what? I've never had thought to have a comedian on. Let me just have this this woman on. And she was really funny and it was great. But she, and she was very, she's at the beginning, she says, So do you want, is it okay how I, that if I, you know, speak freely or do you want me to be a little laced up? Can you believe that? I was like, Girl, just speak freely. Let's just do this. Let's have this conversation. Let's just do this. And she just did it. And I thought it was fantastic, right? It's very much um, an E okay. uh, for explicit. Oh, okay. <laughs> episode. okay. But it was a really good episode. And I learned, you know, I mean, I just, I just think that if you give people the opportunity to just be who they are, they will deliver for you. Mm -hmm. They'll mm -hmm. deliver for you. So I'll, needless to say, I'm having a grand time meeting people and having conversations and, and, and learning. Right, right, right. Well, let's see. Um, is that at all related to your superpowers? Tell me what you believe is your superpower. <laughs> I think that it is actually, because I think that my superpower is actually connecting with people. I think that I have, I have a way of being able to simply connect with people, whereas some other people may not. And, and and I think it's simply because I just take people at face value. Mm. However you show yourself to be to me, I'm going to take you as that. And I'm either going to say, okay, I can, I can venture here. Or I'm going to say, oh yeah, I'm mm -mm, self-care. <laughs> <laughs> self-care boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm not, I am not afraid to talk to people about whatever it is that they need to talk about and, and simply empathize with them as much as I can and, and hear who they are and hear what their, their truth is. Um, mm. And so if they're willing to connect with me in that way, which most people are, I find, then, 
that's my superpower has been that's activated. your superpower <laughs> <laughs> has been activated <laughs> oh that's wonderful well I want to get I want to ask you a personal question okay. I don't know what what parameters you set for yourself for this for diversity dish so you can just cut it out if you want <laughs> but so your husband is white Travis yes my brother <laughs> and as the the producer of diversity dish and also you do have a private consulting business um in the area of diversity how do you think the fact of you being a black woman with a white husband how do you think that has i guess there are a lot of facets that i could take for this question so really the first facet that i would want to ask about is how do you think it's affected you personally and the message that you bring well i'm black <laughs> <laughs> my husband's not in my body <laughs> you know i wake up in the morning i go to bed i'm still black and this is, so if we go back a little bit when I was nine and 10, we lived in Salt Lake City. I was the only black body for miles, except for my brother and my parents and you, you, and but, you were, but, but you were little. Mm -hmm. And those years, I look at my daughter now because she's nine and she's going to be 10. And I realized that those years are the years that you kind of formulate an idea of who you are. And, and, and what that means. Mm. But then we moved from Salt Lake and we came back to New York and I was immersed in a culture. I, I had culture shock, let's mm. put it that way, because we moved to New York City and then it was all black or mostly black, mostly Caribbean, Haitian, Jamaican, you know, all of that. And a whole new way of talking with the uh, the idioms and the just the different words and it kind of jolted me into a different way of being so I say that because now I get to hear and I think to myself what a gift right mm -hmm. what a gift to be completely black to completely understand the plight of my history thankfully because dad used to always talk about Haitian history and and all of that that we never grew up being ashamed of being Haitian but also we grew up with the American culture so what a gift it is to not only be Haitian and understand culturally how things affect people, but to also be American and to be a Black American and to understand how that affects the way that I walk in this world, but to also be able to be in all white situations and understand how that impacts me and how that may impact the people around me. Mm. Now, what I do know is if I'm the only black person in an all white situation, no white person is considering themselves threatened. Nobody is worried about themselves, right? They're looking at me and probably going, oh my goodness, what a novelty, right? <laughs> right? And because of that, my superpower kicks in a lot in those situations, mm -hmm. right? I can connect with people and then they feel more comfortable asking me certain questions and talking to me about certain things. And I, I'm happy to answer, right? I did a panel yesterday and in the panel, we were talking about, you know, people asking questions and not, and not having the questions be racist mm -hmm. or not necessarily not racist, but how do you teach your children that talking about race doesn't make you racist? Mm, that yes. was a question right and then I thought to myself well how do you talk to a child how do you teach a child that asking about Judaism doesn't make you an anti-semite or how do you talk about hate and it doesn't mean you're hateful hateful 
Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I think that being married to Travis has, has its drawbacks. I won't lie about that. It has its drawbacks because there are times when I think, gosh, I wish I didn't have to explain this. Right. Because there are certain things that I do have to explain because he's not going to understand them intuitively. At the same time, I'm so thankful that he is open to understanding them. And when he does understand them, he is a champion of, of what I've said. So does that shape my social justice, my, my need or my desire for social justice? Absolutely. I mean, I would love to see, you know, my children, I have, I, I cannot relate to what my children are going to experience walking in this world as biracial. Mm. Because I've walked through this world as a black woman and he's walked through this world as a white man. They are biracial. They are towing a line. Mm. And sometimes I just wonder, how can I make that better for them? Mm-hmm. How can I make it that that's not the, the, the main thing for them? And I think that in a way, this social justice mm. work is what will help me to be able to make it easier for them as they go through, right? Because, you know, they're living something that I can't, I, I can't speak to. Mm, yeah. Well, well said, well said. And I, I mean, I, I know the, the neighborhood that you're in and the, the community that you're in is very supportive and loving community. So this question, so this facet of the question may not be relevant at all, but I am curious about whether from people outside of your family unit, have you had any, any feedback or any, any type of pushback with regards to your social justice mission? Or have you just had any conversation with people who are outside of your family unit and that question your relationship with a, with your white husband in your social justice mission? The short answer is no. <laughs> I have not. It, good. Yeah, that means, that good. means we're growing as a society. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, <laughs> you definitely want to hope that that is the case. But yes, I think that I project as... I think it all you comes project, down to the way that I project. There. Yeah, I project. Yeah. <laughs> I project as someone who is very confident and very self-aware of who I am. And so I think that people respond to it in that way. So they're not going to say they they you know they would not venture to say to me the traditional things that we have heard people say, "Oh, you wish you were white." Oh, you think you're better because you're with a white man. You know, we've heard all of these things. Um, I have not heard them personally. I have not had them directed at me. And you know um, what? I do, I do want to take a moment to recognize that because as I get older, I, I notice that uh, there's a tendency, just a natural human tendency to recycle complaints to recycle um, (laughs) bullshit that we've survived because everybody carries baggage that's normal. But what I always try to refrain from doing is is saying, oh, we're still in the 70s or we're still in the 90s or we're still in the early 2000s. Right. We definitely, there's, this is not a question about whether or not racism exists. It's a question of in what form. And let's stop- Let's stop rehashing the old forms. So now we're finding the old form and we're finding the new one. And the right. old one is not even here anymore. Like right. if that's not happening anymore, let's not talk about it. Like, cause right. it's, you know, at least not yeah. in your case. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. So I definitely yeah. want to recognize that I'm a proponent of, okay, is that some old shit? Let's leave it back there. Let's deal with the new permeations of of racism and lack of inclusion and so forth right exactly Um, yeah so I just you know I'm I don't that is not part of my reality I don't look for it for me it is most important for me to just walk in this world authentically myself Mm -hmm. and and then if you have a problem with that that's different (laughs) (laughs) 
then we could talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about that. That's different, right? But I, you know, I do not profess to walk in this world as anything other than what I am and, you know, carry anything other than I carry. So, yeah. But that's wow. a good question. <laughs> Sadie, one thing that I've always felt about you as my big sister. I've always <laughs> felt that you've had um, a certain amount of courage and bravery. Um, admittedly, when I was younger, I was just scared of you, and that's how I interpreted your <laughs> <laughs> you gotta go your courage all of that. and bravery. <laughs> <laughs> But as I matured, I no, I, I didn't beat her up. Just in case you wanted to know, <laughs> no, I did she not never beat, beat her me up. up. She didn't have to. <laughs> I was just scary. That's the power. That is the power. She never had to touch me or say one bad thing to me. It was just a look. It was a look of don't mess with me. <laughs> so, so as I've matured, I've, I've. I've learned to, to interpret the person that I, that I see and that I experience as someone that I really, I really view as a leader and very much of just able to carry a lot. And this topic of diversity, especially we lived through 2020 when, when a lot of things came to a head, particularly the, the racial reckoning in this country um, really just kind of blew up. And while a lot of people are running in the opposite direction, you know, like, you know what, I'm going to just not talk about this for a little bit. Da, 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 da. You ran right into the fire. You're like, great. This is the opportunity. <laughs> Let's talk. We need to talk about this. <laughs> I want to know, and you've described, you know, your, your superpower, as being um, able to build connection and rapport with people very easily. But I would describe that brave and courageous energy as you, your superpower. And I just wonder if you have any thoughts about, first of all, do you believe me? I hope you do. But also, <laughs> do you have any thoughts about where that's generated, how it's generated? Tell me a little bit about that. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe you. But when I think about it, whenever I think about where whatever strength that people perceive in me or whatever courage people perceive in me, where whenever I think about where that comes from, I think about our family. Mm -hmm. And not just mom and dad and not just, you know, the relationships that we have together, the three and the five of us, but our extended family, the, the, the family bond that was forged by sisters, mm -hmm. making sure that their children grew up practically like siblings. Mm -hmm. And because of that, whether we're together in one space or whether we are Zooming, <laughs> as we have had to do so much this past year, mm -hmm. the energy and the synergy and the, I don't know what it is, the power that comes through. I always liken my strength to having that safety net. Mm. I, because I always think to myself, okay, like you said, I'm running towards the fire. I'm like, hey, okay, let's, all right, we need to have this conversation. But I do that because I know that even if all these people out here reject me, when I go back into that space where our family resides, I'm going to be good. I'm going to get everything I need to refill that cup and go back out there and say, you know what? bring it on, you know, bring your best. It's okay. I'm gonna, I, I got this back here. I got this flowing fountain of yeah. strength and courage and, and, um, confidence and whatever else Comfort back here. Beauty. All of it. Yeah. All of it. And so I honestly think that that is where it all comes from. And 
when I think about, you know, when I think about the way that our family is, you know, um, my friend Grace, she's from Ghana, West Africa. And her, in her, in the Ghanaian culture, sisters, si- uh, children are considered siblings. So oh, she calls cousins her, her first cousins. So she calls her siblings. first cousin's sister. Oh, that's nice. Or brother. Right. And I've and I've always thought to myself, we must be from West Africa. We must right, be from we, somewhere in West Africa because that's exactly, you know, that has come down through the blood of the genes or right. something because that's exactly what we have. And honestly, it's because of that that I feel that I can do anything, right? I like I like how you described it. You called it this ever flowing fountain, and it yes. makes me think of you know, the fountain of youth, but for us, we have a fountain of love. Like yes. we can always, like, like we got the secret fountain. Like <laughs> we, we know where it is. We can <laughs> always tap into it. Yep. You know, the same way that people think of the fountain of youth as this like mysterious, like, oh my God, it's hidden away. Like right. I, many times I feel like that's what our family is, is right. It's not, it's something I would love to share, but by yeah. its very nature, yeah, you it's, know, um, it is, we, it's we definitely have that privilege, though. Yes, we definitely. Yeah, that's a privilege. Okay, it is. You it think is. you got white privilege? I got family privilege. <laughs> I don't have <laughs> privilege. <laughs> Man, it's that serious. It's that I deep. wish I do not. <laughs> I have black privilege. <laughs> but it's a, it, it really, it's, it's a deep sense of knowing um, and giving that, that confidence, that right. growth mindset, you know, right. it you really know, you up for those things. Travis, mm-hmm. um, you know, Travis, Travis's family is a little different. He has a big family too, but he says, you know, you know, my family, we get together and we talk and we, we laugh and we drink and, and that's all good. He's like, your family gets together is loud. And mm-hmm. he's like, there could be a whole couch on one side of the room, but you all are all piled up on the other couch all together. <laughs> we can never get enough. We can and never like, get enough. Don't let it end. Don't let it stop. Right? It's like, yeah, but we've got it. You know, that's how we share love. We got to hold each other and touch each other and be with each other and, you know, mm-hmm. just infuse ourselves. I mean, when, you know, you know, whenever we're, mm-hmm. we know that we're getting together, we all, I think we all know from wherever, wherever from whence ever we come, mm-hmm. that yes, we're about to get an infusion. Yeah. So that we can be a serious high. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you've got that, you've got, there's a lot to draw from. Yeah, there's a lot to draw from there. And there's a lot to, you know, be thankful for. And so, you know, why should I fear? I shouldn't, I have no fear, because I got this posse. I got, I got this, I got this posse, I got this, 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 this cocoon that I yeah. know that I can go back to that's going to heal me and, mm. and, you know, and, and hold me up right wow well I can uh, I can second that um that's (laughs) wonderful I love that I love that well we are coming to the end of my pot sorry your podcast (laughs) (laughs) I want to ask you one more very important question what is your favorite dish I will eat anything you give me made with potatoes. And I not know that. <laughs> you didn't know that? No. Man, I'll give I'll eat whatever you give me that's made with potatoes. Mashed what? potatoes, gra- potatoes on gratin, French fritos, baked potatoes, <laughs> potato soup, potatoes, potato quiche. But give just give me something with potatoes, I'll eat it. I love me some potatoes. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. 
That's great. I was watching a show the other day. Um, it was it's like a YouTube show where in this interviewers, he's not an interviewer, this producer's opinion was that uh, sweet potatoes are the most important vegetable, hands down. Really? Yeah. In terms of all the usages, the nutrient content, just like all around. Right. So you might have some synergy there with with this person so yeah I'm very right. interesting very cool okay I'm gonna have to remember that for next Thanksgiving <laughs> <laughs> yeah because hopefully next Thanksgiving we will all be inoculated <laughs> and ready to yes. tap into our fountain <laughs> that's it that's it well thank you so much for your time Sadie well thank you for doing this <laughs> with me Lori <laughs> <laughs> It's been fun. It has. Bye. Hey, did you enjoy that episode? If so, please be sure to subscribe, download, rate, review, and share. It would also mean the world to me if you became a patron over at Patreon. The information is in the show notes. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.